Looking for trusted financial advice to help you weather the rough markets? Find your True North. On the Vantage Point with True North Wealth Partners podcast, you'll find financial tips, insights, and information to help you plan for your future. True North Wealth Partners has locations in Dublin and Wooster, Ohio, while serving clients nationwide. Dedicated to God, country, clients, and family. To learn more about the Vantage Point with True North Wealth Partners podcast, visit MyTrueNorthWP.com. That's MyTrueNorthWP.com. True North Wealth Partners. Welcome home. My name is Abraham Alexander, and you listen to the Ranger Report podcast. This is the Ranger Report podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter and C.J. Berryman. Experience the joy of watching your friends and family's faces light up when you feed them wild game you harvested and made them delicious sausages or meat you barbecue and grill with the finest seasonings available. Visit our friends at Waltons.com to find everything you need to turn wild game into tasty meat snacks or spice up your barbecue with new flavors and seasonings. With over 500 seasonings to choose from, there's something that everyone will love. They even have step-by-step videos and how-to articles at Beachistics to help you go from animal to edible. Use coupon RANGERS15 at checkout to save 15% on your first order at Waltons.com. Waltons, everything but the meat. I've never heard that before. Welcome to the Ranger Report podcast. We are joined today by Chris Halleck from Sports Illustrated's Inside the Rangers. Chris, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Good to have uh, you. All right. Go ahead, CJ. Saying that, even though we, we've had you on, this is the fourth time. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you're, I, I'm not even keeping count. So, we do, we do, we do. Well, he, we do call you the, the Ranger, the Ranger Report, BFF. BFF. So, you know. um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, I appreciate you guys. <laughs> we appreciate you, bud. All right. You put out a great tweet earlier today that I've thought a lot about. You asked people to come up with what they would do for the rest of the uh, the off season once this uh, this stupid thing ends, yeah. and we can actually do things again. You gave them thirty million dollars to pick up who they thought the Rangers could get before the season started. So I put one together. CJ, did you put one together? Nope, I'm going off the cuff on this one. Oh, off the cuff. Okay, all right. Ooh. Off the cuff is hard when you're talking about money. Uh, yeah, I'm playing with uh, hey, house hard. money. I'm and playing with house money. Well, that's true, but I'm just letting you know, if, you, if you're taking an opportunity to be a GM and you're making decisions off the cuff, you're not, probably not going to have a job for very long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a jab, a jab from Chris Alec. That's <laughs> right. No, but no, I'll, I'll, it'll make sense later. Here, here we go. All right, so I'll start. I had the Rangers picking up Sonny Gray, and he is getting $10.2 this year. So right. I figured they'll take on most of that salary if they get him. That'll be part of the deal. I had uh, Steel Walker, Trevor Halver, Isaiah Kiner Falefa going to the Reds. So, and uh, that one, I don't, I don't know. I thought they might want a major league player, and I thought the Rangers might eventually want to move him. Although I'm not sure they do. I also thought about Andy Abanez. It was one of those two. I originally went with Andy Abanez, and then I changed it. My, my only. Uh... Uh, well, it, I'll, I'll let you finish, um, and then I'll then I'll, I'll kind of give my feedback on that a little bit. All right, my second one was Seiya Suzuki. 
I think the Rangers yeah, have a good chance that, of picking him up. That's a, that's a popular one yeah. and for good reason, but that's a popular one. But uh, I don't know what will get him. So I went with 12 million a year. You think they can get him for less than that? Uh, I don't know about less. I think if I'm not mistaken, I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head and I don't have it in front of me. Uh, I think uh, Kyler McDaniel, ESPN's Kyler McDaniel projected like four years, 48 million. So okay, I, think, okay. I think 12 yeah. million years is about right. Uh, but then you have to take into account uh, the uh, posting fee as well, which I think ah, he right. also projected 9 million bucks uh, okay, for that. Okay. So you have to take that into account as well. All right. And my third one, well, I hadn't come up with it. I, I couldn't figure out who to spend $8 million on, which is all I had left. Right. Well, and, and, and to be fair, like I, that, that is a really, really conservative approach. I mean, it's very, very possible that the Rangers do more than $30 million. I mean, now granted, they've already spent $561 million uh, this off season and to, you know, be like, Oh, they can still spend another 80 million or however much, yeah, or, you know, or add, you know, 70 or 80 million to the payroll. I, I, I'm just being a little bit more conservative there uh, just because I know the Rangers still want to add next off season as well. And they have to have room in the budget for that. Yeah. Um, so not knowing what the, what the payroll is going to, what the payroll taxes or the, what the CBT, the luxury tax is going to be, uh, you know, I just wanted to go with a little bit more conservative approach just in case they wanted to reserve some money. And plus we, the, the Rangers have never spent, I think more than 175 million on, on a team before. So, you know, do they go to that? You know, so I just kind of went with like maybe 160 million is a, is a good kind of place to kind of stop. And then if they go over that, then, you know, but it's just a little fun exercise. Yeah. And I was trying to come up with a relief pitcher for my last one, but I couldn't, I just couldn't come up with the one that I liked that we could get for the right price. So, you know, okay. So just some feedback. Uh, what was your first, uh, the sunny gray trade? Yeah. Um, so the Trevor Howard and steel Walker, I think could be a part of the, tra- a part of the package there. Um, it's, it's trading. I mean, the Cincinnati's infield is actually a strength of theirs. Okay. So yeah. I don't necessarily see a trade with Isaiah yeah, working out. That, that takes out IKF that takes out uh, Justin Foskey that takes out IK, you know, yeah, um, uh, Ezekiel Duran. It takes out Luis Luis and Hill Acuna. You know. Well, I mean, it, the the well, the difference is when you're trading Isaiah Kiner-Falefa versus trading a prospect is a prospect can still change positions. Yeah. The situation the Rangers are in right now. I mean, their middle infield is locked up for the next seven years, and they could ask any of those guys, Ezekiel Duran, Josh Smith. Uh, any of those guys to possibly change positions uh, if they like them enough. Uh, I mean, shoot, it happened with Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is a third baseman all the way through. And then all of a sudden he comes up and he starts playing first base. He starts playing the outfield and then he becomes a gold glove right fielder. So, I mean, it happens with anybody, anybody can, especially and the good thing with middle infielders, they're usually very athletic and athletic enough to play or to learn any other position on the field, uh, different to go the other way. It's hard to ask a first baseman to learn how to play shortstop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can ask a shortstop to learn how to play first base. So we don't you know, want, it, we don't need Nate Lowe playing shortstop. We don't need that. <laughs> no, even though he did play third base. So he's, he he's played on that side of the infield, before. but you know, so th- that's pretty much my only, my only feedback on the kind of being part of that trade package. Um, the say Suzuki, I, I totally get it. I, I think 
there's to me like it's either like if you're looking at the most likely scenario of what what rangers might do once the lockout's over suzuki is one of the most likely scenarios just because the rangers are always active in the pacific rim scouting uh this is a really intriguing player um it's controllable it's uh going to be cost effective uh you know this is just it's the type of player the rangers usually try to Try to invent. I mean, obviously, the last one that they the Rangers really pushed in all their chips in was Shohei Otani, and they just didn't win that bidding war. Uh, just ge- geography didn't work out there. Um, but obviously, they won the rights to you Darvish and a- were able to land him. Obviously, the bidding system is different now, so they have to be able to make a sales pitch to to him just like they would any other free agent. Um, so, I mean, overall, those are solid moves uh, and two moves that are. Uh, I mean, that actually have some traction. The Rangers are interested in Suzuki. Uh, They've reached out to the Reds for Sonny Gray uh, just to see what's there. So those are definitely some moves that that could be made for sure. All right. So if Suzuki comes, then what does that mean for Laoti Tavares? Because that means Dulce Garcia is in center and you got Cole Calhoun in right. What does that mean? Um, well, I mean, so you could go a number of different ways. So if Suzuki, I mean, it, it plays left field. Yeah. Garcia could play center field or you could have, I mean, Cole Calhoun could be a DH, honestly. I mean, if you're looking at, I didn't think about that. That's a good, I point. mean, who, who's, who's your, I mean, who's the best right fielder on the roster right now? And that's Adolis Garcia. Adolis Garcia. And, 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 it's, and it's not close. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, I mean, in my opinion, from what I saw, I test defensive metrics, everything. He's a gold glove caliber right fielder. Yeah. Um, he was, his SDI was fourth among American league center fielders and that was center field and saw seeing what he did in right field. Adolis Garcia is absolutely a gold glove caliber. I don't know about gold glove winning, but gold glove caliber right fielder. Um, so if you sign Suzuki and Leody Tavares, tears up spring training uh, or when he, whenever he gets called up and he makes a, a case to, to be in the lineup, you're, you're looking at a, a situation where, okay, that's a, well, first off, that's a great situation for the Rangers to be in, to have yeah. too many good players. Uh, and that's one they will always take. Uh, Tavares to me, and this isn't necessarily like a crap or get off the pot situation with Tavares. He's still very young. Um, but I, I disagree. I think it is. I think it really? is really okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily this year. Uh, if he doesn't, if he doesn't take the reins and, and really establish himself this year, it's still possible he could do it. Uh, going into twenty three, but that would kind of be the last, the last real shot because then you're looking at the Rangers adding more pieces next off season. At least that's what they plan. They add more pieces. Some other guys hopefully are already established that come up. Hopefully Josh Young is an everyday player by that point, uh, a contributing everyday player by that point. Uh, possibly, you know, maybe another guy from the from the, the organization, like if Nathaniel Lowe really kind of takes that next step forward and he really benefits from uh um, no, there's a wasp in my house. Holy crap. <laughs> I had a wasp flying over my head. I don't know if you guys saw uh, Levi Weaver tweeting on uh, on uh, about like his battle with wasps. And apparently, 
wasps are after Rangers beat writers right now. <laughs> that's hilarious. And I made it onto the podcast. That's probably that's probably a great one. Seriously, there was a wasp like right over my head, and I just knocked it down with my hat. Um, um, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I was raised a farm boy, so I know all about wasps. They'll sting you, and they don't give a shit. They will no, they sting don't. you for I, nothing. I, I, yeah, I, I can't stand wasps. They're, they're, I, I don't, I, that's of all the questions that I'll ask God whenever I get to heaven is why the heck did you make wasps? What purpose do they serve? <laughs> you have bee, you have honeybees that can pollinate. You have, uh, I mean, you have plenty of, th- I just don't see the purpose. So like other than like, I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. He's going to have to explain that one to me. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, Leody Tavares. Yeah. I mean, he, he yeah, you would really like to get an answer this year for sure. Yeah, uh, if he, no, he could decide himself. I mean, he could just get, make the make the decision for the Rangers one way or the other. He could come up and just absolutely kill it, blow blow everybody away, and be like, "Okay, this dude's our center fielder." You know, there's no question. Then he could come up and he could look like he did last year again, and that would be kind of like okay. We, I mean, he's had like three different stints in the big leagues. 2020 is kind of hard to count, but I mean, should he looked better in 2020 than he did in 2021? Yeah. So I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but again, you'd rather, you'd rather get, okay. First off, it, who would you rather get an answer on Leody Tavares or Dolis Garcia? Like, like who, who would you rather if you have to choose one this year that you want to give every shot to make sure that that dude is, is a legitimate part of your core next, like in the next contending core, he needs to be a part of it. And you have to choose one. Who Leody, do you want to answer on? Okay. Here's a counter argument just real quick. And I'll let you explain for, for Leody. Adolis has proven at the big league level that he can, that he can succeed at the big leagues for an extended period of time. Um, and even whenever he's not hitting, he is still playing insanely good defense, which Leody can as well. Uh, but even when he's not hitting, he's still finding ways to be disruptive in, you know, in the lineup, he was still finding ways. He would still have the occasional homer. He ha- he would have the occasional clutch hit. Even, even if he went like, and I don't have numbers back, so I'm kind of pulling this out of like my memory. Uh, it, it would seem like he would go on a, like a one for 20 streak. And then all of a sudden that two for 21, that second hit was uh, a, a late inning RBI that put the Rangers ahead. So it was a, it was a big time RBI. Um, this guy, I mean, and let's not forget this dude hit over 30 home runs, drove in over 90 runs, uh, you know, drove in over 90 runs. He broke all he, Pete, Pete and Cavillia's records. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's a stat. I mean, he's proven that he can hit for an entire, I mean, he, that he can at least play at the big league level for an entire season. Now he just needs to even it out, not have the highs be so high. Obviously you want those to be high, but to not have the lows go so low yeah. where he just, but that's what you, that's what I would want to get the answer on. Because I still have, if I'm the Rangers, I still have five years, five years, five years of control over this guy, you know, pending what the new CBA gives. And I don't think that's going to change. Um, so you still have five more years. And granted, he's a little older, but he doesn't have the same mileage 
that a, a 28 year old or 29 year old has right. because he hasn't logged the innings that most 29 year olds have. Yeah. Uh, and plus the dude is built like the Hulk. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 no, that's, that's no joke right there. I mean, so that's no if, joke. You're, if, you're, if you're looking at a guy to be like, I wonder if his body's going to hold up. I mean, just take a look at him and just be like, okay, yeah, I think he could hold up yeah. um, as long as he's not playing center field. I, I do think if he's going to have any kind of longevity, and if the Rangers are really going to give him a shot, he needs to be playing a corner outfield spot. Um, I know Chris Woodward would prefer him to be in the corner in a corner outfield position. So we'll see what happens. If they don't get Suzuki, then it kind of m- makes a decision for them. And then that really paves the way for Leody to, to come in. But if they do sign Suzuki, then yeah, you're going to kind of have to decide, okay, who's going to get, who's going to get the, the bulk of it. Is it going to be Leody or Adolis? I just made the pitch for Adolis. You make the pitch for Leody. Uh, well, Leody's got the tools to be a five tool player. Um, he's got the talent. Uh, it's just between his ears. And, you know, I've seen him play in person when, you know, Frisco came up here and then played Amarillo. And you just had that air. He just had that air about him. Like he knows he's the best player in the ballpark. But now he, he's gotten humbled a little bit. Hopefully he's gotten humbled. And if he can harness that, and, and not press so much, then yes, he can be a guy. He's fantastic in the outfield. He can change a the game. There was a game in, was it August? That he just completely took over the game, stealing bases and um, hitting a home run and he, what he yeah, saw second I, and third. I think I remember that game. Yeah. Yeah. And he just took over the game. He mm-hmm. has that ability to do that. And so that's my contention for him. Um, if you get a Suzuki, I think, yeah, I, though, I like what you're thinking of, of Calhoun going to DH and here's the thing, which Calhoun will be DH. Well, I see that's the other, that's the other thing. Cause yeah. both Calhouns are left-handed hitters. So you can't necessarily platoon that. And th- this is again, a, a situation the Rangers want. The Rangers want to have too many players to have to choose from. Yeah. Because uh, if you come into the season, with Adolis Garcia, Leody Taveras, Cole Calhoun, Willie Calhoun. Uh, I'm probably forgetting I'm a Seo Suzuki if they sign him. I mean, that, Eli that's White. already. Eli you know, White. Well, yeah. Eli White's going to not quite be ready for the start of the season. Okay. If, okay. if, I, if I, I mean, well, at least I, I don't think he'll be, he'll be delayed at spring training. The okay. last that we knew. The last, so that would kind of delay him. Probably okay. he would probably kind of have to be in a similar situation to what um, like Brett Martin and uh, even Willie Callahan were this past season, where they were kind of delayed a little bit by just a few weeks and then mm-hmm. be ready to go. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, Eli White. And see, that's another. It, it's those type of players, the Eli Whites, the the Leody Taveras, those those guys who have that kind of speed. There is no substitute for that. Um, well, and we haven't even talked about Nick Solak either. Because his yeah. future is, is up in the air too. Yeah, and, and that this is where you're looking at the Rangers possibly pulling off a trade of some kind. Because at, at some point, yes, you want to have too many players, but you you then begin to have just too too many. Like you've got to make a move, especially whenever the middle infield. I mean, obviously, you have two all stars in the middle of your infield and they're not going anywhere. So, uh, and even at third base, I mean, you've got Isaiah counter for left and Josh young who are going to be competing. So and I, Andy yeah. Abanez. Yeah. Andy Abanez. Don't, yeah. Don't forget about him either. I mean, shoot that, that guy. I remember, I think I even remember talking with Chris Woodward, like asking Chris Woodward, 
when we were getting near the end of the season, I was like, holy crap, Andy Abanez is going to end up logging almost half of the season, like in terms of games played. Uh, and I was like, man, that kind of came up out of nowhere. And then I looked yeah, at the Yeah, you can argue there for a while. He was their best hitter. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and he was, it wasn't like, uh, he didn't go on the same type of tears that like Adolis Garcia went on or anything where they hit like 18 home runs in three games. You know, it was, you know, it was, but it was constant, consistent production. And that's, yeah. if anything, that's what Chris Woodward just wanted last year. It was, yeah. con- I don't know how many times. I heard Chris Woodward say the word consistency last year. And that's what Andy Abanez really brought. And he showed that his defense was far better than almost anybody anticipated, yes. especially at second base. Now, granted, again, second base won't be there. Um, but yeah, Andy Abanez, man, if that you can hit and then he can play second base to give, you know, Marcus Simeon a day off. You could well, he can play, he can play all four positions. So yeah. So yeah, I mean you're you're looking at Andy Abanya as possibly being a, a really good contributor as well. So yeah, yeah, you begin to wonder, okay, yeah, we're we're starting to have too many too many players. And then you make a decision, okay, is it Andy Abanya's or is it Nick Solak? Well, Nick Solak showed quite a bit in you know near the end of 2019, but then he's kind of struggled a, a bit since then. He started started off 21 really, really well, and then he really struggled so much that they demoted him. Um, you know, yeah, I mean the Rangers are I mean, I would be shocked if the Rangers did not make a trade where they sent away one of those players or um, both or two, whether, or two. whether it's to acquire a Matt Olson or a Sonny Gray or, uh, or any of the other Cincinnati pitchers. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll be shocked if they don't pull off a trade of some kind, just because, yeah, you begin to, especially if they do sign say Suzuki, if yeah. they do sign him, then yeah, you've probably have to make some sort of subsequent move. Uh, if you don't, if you don't sign Suzuki, then maybe you can go in and just, you know, hopefully that depth carries you. Uh, a bit, but I don't know. Sometimes there's not enough, not enough uh, spots in the lineup to go around. Okay, so the A's and the Rangers have a good relationship. It's kind of a scratch my back, scratch your back thing, and they always seem to make a trade every offseason. So the Matt Olson thing, it's it's to me, it's gaining steam, and you mentioned it um, and how it makes sense. So talk about that. Uh, th- it's kind of, it's kind of too. Also, first off, if you have the opportunity to get a player of Matt Olson's caliber, it's kind of hard to say no. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a, this is a gold glove winner. This is a, this is an all-star. This is a silver slugger. This is uh, he, he's, he's an established player who I think is only 27 uh, and he's got two years of control left. So you have plenty of time to, to bring him in and to extend him. Uh, I, I I have a hard time saying no to that as much as I am intrigued to see what Nathaniel Lowe is capable of, because I, of all the players, and I, I just did a piece on the, on the side of potential breakout players and Nathaniel Lowe, I didn't write it in any particular order, but in my opinion, he's the most likely to break out next year in terms of in-house players um, just because the projectability is there. And I really want to see what Donnie Ecker and Tim Hires do with him. Uh, however, if you have a chance to get Matt Olson and, and you have a package put together that the A's are willing to accept and that you're comfortable with parting and you're not having the mortgage, any of your really, uh, central pieces to your future, uh, like you don't have to give up a Jack lighter or a Cole Wynn or Josh young. And maybe the only top 100 prospect you have to give up is maybe a Justin Foscue. Okay. It's kind of hard to say no to that. Um, then again, if 
the price is just a little bit too much more than what you're what, what you're willing to pay. 2022 is still an evaluation year. Yep. It's not an evaluation year like 21 was, but it's still a year where you need to get some answers on guys. And Nathaniel no, and know where you need to fill those holes. Yeah. Yes. And Nathaniel Lowe is a player that I want to get an answer on because again, the projectability is there. Uh, he started hitting the ball in the air more often. And so here's the thing. He had two main weaknesses other than defense. He had two main weaknesses, not being able to hit the ball in the air enough and uh, uh, struggling with fastball, especially elevated fastballs. Um, I think that those are issues. I mean, he already kind of turned around on hitting the ball in the air more often near the end of the season. So yeah. it's kind of already kind of already got that in his swing a little bit. Then you have Donnie Ecker and Tim Hires take over two of the most respected names in the game right now when it comes to offense and, and developing and helping hitters reach their potential. That's really intriguing to me. I really want to see what happens with that. Um, it, however, and this is why if you have a chance to get a Matt Olson, you do it. It's still a gamble. There's still no guarantee that, Nate, that, that, that Nathaniel Lowe figures it out. There's well, and, no- and I think it was you that mentioned it. I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the Rangers would not be willing to make a Matt Olson trade unless he's willing to extend. Um, I mean, and I don't... I mean, I don't know, like, that might be just have to be a gamble. I mean, I, I don't think, like, they would be able to have that in place where, like, we're only trading for him if he extends. Now, they would have to do that. They, they would have to be 100% con- – and, again, that would be a gamble, just like it's a gamble that Nathaniel Lowe doesn't – like, okay, he's going to become this type of player. Well, there's no gamble – or there's no guarantee of that. Still a bit of, It's still a risk. It's also a risk if you trade for Matt Olson and you don't extend them. Uh, because there is still that, that chance of no, he's like, no, I still want to test free agency. Then again, look what Toronto did with Jose Barrios. They acquired him and then gave him a really, really nice contract this past yeah. off se- or this off season. The Rangers could do the same thing. They could acquire Matt Olson, let him play for a year. Uh, maybe talk with his agent throughout the year. If his agents willing to talk during that kind of time and they could figure out in the next off season, they extend him to a, a nice fat contract. And that's your, I guess, big acquisition uh, for next off season. You know, maybe you still add a couple of other you know nice players, uh, but I mean, if you're, if you're looking at like your main core being Matt Olson, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, I think you're doing pretty good. Yeah. I was going to say um, if you, uh, if you, I mean, Matt Olson would have to look around that infield and I don't know why he wouldn't want to extend I mean, you know what I'm saying? He's going to look and see who's playing around. I mean, that would be, in my opinion, that would be the best infield in baseball hands down, especially if young works out to what everyone thinks he's going to be. Well, shoot. I mean, if I, if Isaiah Connor Falefa even plays third base, yes. you yeah. have a gold glover at third base. You have a really good shortstop. Uh, I mean, Corey Seager talk about his defense, whatever. He's one of the best hitting shortstops in all of baseball, and he can still play the position. He's not like he's not a liability out there. Uh, then you have a Gold Glover at second base, and you have Gold Glover at first base. I mean, yeah, that's that's and that's the best infield in baseball. Yeah, in my, I mean, I, I don't care if Isaiah kind of left as a bottom third hitter, and he, but if he hits like he did in the last two months of last year, he'll be a guy who hits between two seventy and two eighty five, maybe two ninety, and. And give he'll, you that defense, and he'll give you he'll give you elite defense at the hot corner. And he's a really let's not forget. I think Connor Love is a really good base runner. Yeah, I, I know. I know fans want to want to want to look at OPS and be like, oh, his OPS is right at league average. It's not good enough. And nobody's asking. You know what? 
if you ask Isaiah Conner-Falefa to give you more, what happened during the summer last year is exactly what happens when Isaiah Conner-Falefa tries to do more than what he's capable of. Yeah. Um, it's not that he can't, it's, I'm not trying to put a ceiling on the guy. I just, he got back to doing what he does really well. I, I wrote about it today. Um, uh, you know, looking at, looking back at the positional review, he got back to doing the things that he does really well, just slapping the ball over all over the field. And all of a sudden he wasn't hitting 230. He was hitting 300 when he, whenever he was doing that. Now, granted that was a two month sample size, but still you hit 300 over two months. That's a, it's a pretty good streak. You know, yeah. Pretty good streak. Um, uh, by the way, streak is apparently a mix between stretch and streak. So, <laughs> I like that streak. Um, streak. Um, but streak from Say by the Bill. Yeah, I was just I was just gonna say that, that sounded too much like screech. Um, but uh, no, I mean Isaiah Counterfalefa is who he is. He's an elite defender. He's a really good base runner, and he's a guy who's not going to hit for a ton of power, but he can slap the ball all over the field. And and honestly. If, if for guys who are in the bottom 30 of your lineup, if they hit 280 or 290, I understand batting average is not a popular stat anymore, but the old school baseball guy in me still likes batting average. Mm-hmm. And I think guys who hit 280 or 290 are still valuable. I, I really do, especially when they do all the other things that kind of fluff it does. Uh, too much emphasis is put on uh, too, uh, too trendy stats. I understand. I like war. I like OPS. Uh, I like um, uh, Woba and X Woba. I like all of the advanced analytics. I do. It just has to be all part of this uh, broad spectrum in order to properly evaluate a player. Just because Isaiah Kinderfleva's OPS sits at league average doesn't mean that he doesn't have value. Yeah, and that's right. that's the part of baseball analytics that people get too carried away with is that oh his OPS isn't good enough or his one stat isn't good enough so he's not worth you know putting back on the team or he's not worth $10 million a year, whatever you got to pay him. Uh, I think he's only projected to make like $4.9 million in arbitration this year. So $4.9 million for everything he does. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, let's talk pitching. Now we haven't talked about it much because it just seems it's got kind of got a, a Kobe Lewis feel to it. Dane Dunning uh, in what he did. I know he was on a pitch count limit and an innings limit last year but he showed that he deserves to be there. So um, what do you, what are your thoughts on Dane Dunning? Uh, I really liked a lot of what he did last year. First off, it wasn't until COVID, uh, you know, he tested positive for COVID or, or had to go on the, I don't remember if he tested positive or he, he had to go on the COVID list. Yeah. It wasn't until then he was taking the ball like every fifth day. Um, and, uh, I think he did have like one kind of minor injury that he had to mess up like a start or two. Other than that, I mean, you're looking at a young guy who came in his first time again, this is like a, a same thing with a lot of the 2021 Rangers, but first time going through a full season, uh, you know, in, in like, okay, you're in the rotation, taking the ball every fifth day for an entire six month season. This is the first time he did that. And there were a lot of, I mean, early on, he was right there with Kyle Gibson as being the best pitcher for the Rangers. And then, you know, the league kind of adjusted and, um, but the sinker slider combination, it's all, it's all good. I mean, I think he projects to be a, a really, really good back of the rotation pitcher on, on a championship team. Um, there's absolutely, and, and I mean, Colby Lewis, I, I understand, you know, if you would go to base again, this is where you begin to, this is where some people get too carried away with, with just looking at baseball reference and, and looking at the numbers that they can look at. You look at Colby Lewis's baseball reference page. You're like, 
well, that wasn't one of the best pitchers in Rangers history. Bull crap. Yes, it was. Colby Lewis was absolutely one of the best pitchers in Rangers history. And uh, there is no substitute for a big game pitcher. I don't yeah. care if their ERA was 450 or like a career ERA was 450. Yeah. When, when it matters and they need to get the job done. And most of the time, not, not every single time, but most of the time when Colby Lewis had to get, had to get something done, he did it. Um, and, and pe- that, pe- people forget that 2010 world series run, um, in the ALCS against the Yankees. Um, everybody remembers the Neftali Feliz strikeout, but everybody kind of forgets what Kobe oh, Lewis did in that game. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah. And actually uh, there's, there's uh, a good uh. sector. There's a good sector Rangers fans that, that at least I interact with that consider that to be probably top three performances in Rangers history. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. if we're, if we're, we're looking at top three performances, performances, pitching performances in Rangers history, uh, I mean, Kenny Rogers perfect game has to be up there. Um, and either of two Nolan uh, of two, uh, Nolan's two no, no's have to be up there. But, and even though that neither one of these were perfect games or no hitters, Colby Lewis's game six in, of the 2010 LCS. Yep. And then obviously Derek Collins, uh, game five. Oh of, yeah. Uh, Derek, in the world Derek series. Oh man. Yeah. Let's talk about that real quick. Derek Collins. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he was smoking them. And Lance Berkman, I'll never forget this. Lance Berkman was in the uh, clubhouse, and they were interviewing him, and they said, what did Derek Holland do so well? And he goes, he's left-handed, throws 95, 97, yeah. and and with some breaking stuff. So that's how he succeeded. I mean, he was yeah. pretty gruff about it. No, and, and Derek Holland was – I mean, he was he was sensational that night. And then, you're t- again, uh, yes, neither one of those pitching performances are – uh, a, a no, a no hitter, or a perfect game, but you're looking at the stage that they're on. I mean, yeah. Colby, Colby Lewis was in an elimination game or at least, you know, um, a, a series clinching game. Yeah. And, and I gave eight beautiful innings of, of, of just pure, awesome pitching. And then Derek Holland, Part of me, like just the baseball fan in me, still wishes that Ron Washington would have left him in just to get the complete yeah. game. But but I don't. I have no issues with uh, sending your all star closer in to no. to guarantee a win in the World Series. Uh, that's that's. Uh, I can't. I can't fault him for that. But the baseball fan in me just wants to see a guy be able to go the distance and exactly. Especially yeah. now. Especially nowadays, you know, we're yeah. looking at. I think there was like. 21 pitchers. I don't remember how many it was, but 21 pitchers who pitched 180 innings and that's it. Wow. And I don't even, I don't yeah. even know. I don't even know how many pitchers pitched to Now, granted we're, we're coming off of a truncated 2020 season. So yeah. some pitchers, more pitchers than the normal were on innings limits. So that number will, uh, I mean, depending on a lockout, depending on spring training, depending on all this, hopefully that number goes up this upcoming season, but rising COVID cases, how the lockout impacts spring training, so on and so forth, that could affect the season too. So this is why baseball just needs to figure it out and get back to work. No kidding. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, don't get me started, Chris. <laughs> I'll, roll <laughs> up my, I'll roll up my sleeves about it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's for, I mean, th- that's something that I think baseball fans, baseball reporters, baseball columnists and uh, commentators, everybody all, ha- they all have the same thing. Just get back to work, figure it out. Uh, the fact that it took 42 days to have the first bargaining session over the, the issues it's ridiculous that really matter. in my mind, it's ridiculous. Um, it, but I mean, and unfortunately this is how CBA negotiations work and it's sickening. And, uh, you, you, 
neither side wants to, neither side has an agenda and they don't want to give up anything. And it's not until the real threat of lost money is staring them right in the face and somebody's got to, it's a game of chicken. Somebody's got to be the first one to flinch and usually the first one to flinch loses the negotiation and the players sure as heck don't want to lose because of the way the last two CBAs went and owners don't want their streak to end. So it's, it's nobody's going to budge until, and that's, this is why at first I really thought that they were going to be smart and try to get a full spring training in. I am no longer confident in that Uh, just based off of how bargaining is going. I hope they proved me wrong, but uh, the, the natural optimist in me is starting to get really pessimistic. And I yeah. don't think we're going to have a full spring training. Yeah, that's just, it, that's it goes, pure conjecture on my part, but that's just how I feel. And it goes for us because it's hitting us personally because we want to go to spring training. We're yeah. trying to go to spring training. But we don't know when the hell is going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to book flight and hotel. If there's not going to be a team there when we get there. Uh, well, I can tell you, I mean, I, I know that at least for me, no travel is being booked until all of this gets figured out. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. So it's the same, same here. And the thing is, is that spring training, if you don't get your stuff booked early, you're either paying out the nose to try to get something or it's just, it's just not there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I lucked out in 2020. It was my first season covering the team and just, I signed my contract in November, but there was a long process of getting set up or I didn't even get to my first like press conference with the team until mid January. Uh, my first press conference covering the team was the Robinson Torino's Todd Frazier signing okay. uh, announcement. Yeah. And so, and that wasn't until like mid January of that year. And so then it was still having to book stuff for spring training and spring training was starting like a month. Uh, and thankfully I was able to find something and, you know, be able to get there. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not fun for anybody, not fun for fans, not fun for media, not fun for, for anybody right now. We just need to get this done, get back to it, especially now. I know that like, Cowboys fans and Steelers fans and all, anybody whose football team is uh, both you and I had to deal with two losses yesterday. Well, at least I knew mine was coming. I was just going in as a fan being like, Oh, I kind of hope that the Steelers kind of, kind of pull it off. But I mean, I, I knew like there was just no way. <laughs> yeah. The, ca- the Cowboys gotta, laid the Cowboys laid an egg. You guys. Yeah. I'm a Bronco fan. We didn't even make the playoffs. So no, well, there you go. There you go. How many quarterbacks since Peyton Manning? Uh, like 30. I don't know. <laughs> it's been ridiculous. Uh, yes, they're on a, they're on a pace worse than the Cleveland Browns. They are. Yeah, yeah they, they are. are at the moment. They are. Yeah. It's pretty bad. All right. Drew Locke is not the answer. No, Drew Locke <laughs> is not the answer. None of, none of the people they have there are the answer. But anyway, Bridgewater was just a filler. Let's not talk about more sports sadness. For me. All right. Um, you know, we got the Rangers. It's got the lockout. Now the Broncos don't even make the play, but at least I didn't have to watch them lose in the playoffs. Sorry, you guys. I mean, but yeah. like I said to you on Twitter, I mean, I've always respected Big Ben. What a career, man. That guy, I mean, that guy played, yeah. I mean, played his heart out for so many years. Such a talented dude. I, I mean, if he's not in the Hall of Fame first ballot, then they're idiots. Well, there was there was a time in his career where you couldn't bring him down. No. You could not no. bring him down. Yeah. No, so I, to, he was watching. Yeah, he was, he was something special. And he was just a, he was a. He was a Brett Favre type quarterback, but again, he was 6'5", 240 instead of, you know, whatever Brett Favre's scrawny size was. 6'2", yeah. 210. Um, yeah, I got that Yeah, one. yeah. So, I mean, Ben, ben was I mean, 6'5", 240. Yeah, I mean, linebackers, you know, defensive linemen couldn't take him down. I mean, and plus he played that backyard style, so that the numbers were never going to be, you know, as pristine as the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's and, 
Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. That's the, that's the beauty of, of sports in general. I, I think, I think of, of, of football, the same way as I think about baseball, not everything has to be cookie cutter. And that's the one thing I, I don't like about analytics. Everybody's looking to, to fit somebody into yeah. the same window of they have to meet this level at OPS, this level of uh, war, this level of whatever. I'm like, man, you know, every player can provide value in different ways. And Ben Roethlisberger absolutely provided plenty of value. He was, and if a big you think game. about it, Tony Romo did the same thing. Yeah, no, Tony Romo had a very underrated career. Yeah. He's not a Hall of Famer, but uh, he had a very underrated career. Um, just the, the honestly, the biggest difference that I can say between Big Ben and Tony Romo is that Big Ben was a big game quarterback and Tony Romo wasn't. Yep. Um, yeah. I can't big disagree. Ben, especially early in his career, Big Ben was a was a big game quarterback. Yeah, yeah he laid an egg in his first Super Bowl. He was awful. Um, call that nerves. Call it whatever. Um, but a lot of people want to crap on him for that performance in the Super Bowl, but they would not have gotten there without him because no. not only right. did he make the game-saving tackle in the uh, division series against, uh, or in the division series, I got this on the, the mind. Jerome Bettis fumble, I remember that. Yeah, yep. yeah. So not only did he make that tackle, but his uh, his performance against the Broncos in the AFC Championship was. Uh, you actually might remember this, Ben. I remember uh, it well. Yeah, his performance in that AFC Championship game was pretty pretty amazing uh he was was that when drop. jake Plummer was a quarterback jake, yeah. Plummer, yeah. Yes, sir. jake Plummer. jake Plummer was a quarterback then he I played he that. played awful in that game he did not yeah he did not play i had i had of all the games that going in i had the least um for some reason i thought that i knew they were going to be the Bengals. i just knew the Bengals. Yeah. like they crapped on the terrible towel i'm superstitious when it comes to that it's when y'all took carson palmer out yeah, came of on Olhoffen. Yeah, that guy. Should, I mean, I think they would have beat the Bengals even with Carson Palmer in there. I really yeah. do. I, I just I thought they were going to beat the Bengals no matter what. I was like, oh, that whole thing of like underdog mentality against the Colts, and they smacked him in the mouth to start, and it was all great. AFC Championship was one I was really most concerned about, just because we're going into Denver. It usually does not go well for the Steelers in Denver, a la the Tim Tebow game. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, it, it just it usually doesn't go well for them, especially when Ryan Clark was on defense because he was such a big part of our defense and, and he couldn't play there because of his uh, health condition. Um, so yeah, it, it usually never goes well there. And just that that day, it, it absolutely went the Steelers' well, way. Well, great. maybe the Tim Tebow win was was the uh, the football gods getting payback oh, for God. It was, it was the equalizer. It was the equalizer, dude. The difference you, is the difference is we won the Super Bowl the year. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, no, to be to be honest with you, as a Bronco fan. I was probably in more shock than Steelers fans when the Broncos won that game. I was like, what just happened? The dude can't throw the ball 20 yards. How did they win the well, game? Well, he didn't have to throw the ball t- 20 yards. He just had to Demarius Thomas to, took to it. Demarius in. Thomas running a slant. And Demarius <laughs> Thomas outran everybody on the Steelers defense. So yeah, it was, uh, yeah, and it was, that was the nail in the coffin for that yeah. era of that defense. I mean, that defense yep. was great. Uh, Troy Palomalo, James Harrison, James Ferrier. Palomo, uh, I, I, all I've always guys. respected Troy Palomo. Yep. Always. Um, you know, I hate the Steelers. I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> dude, I hate the Ste- I'm a Cowboys I, fan. So I, I, I get uh, it. I get it. I used to, you know, I used, I used to hate the Cowboys. I, I really did go you know, growing up. I hear the stories from my dad. I watched the old highlights of the two Super Bowls in the seventies. Yeah. And you know, the, you know, the two, the Steelers won, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I saw that. I saw, that. <laughs> um, and, 
you know, I just, I, I, you know, so you grow up with a, like your taught hatred. And then I moved here and, you know, then Cowboys fans, you know, all my friends are Cowboys fans and I find out I'm a Steelers fan and I get that hate. And so then I still hate the Cowboys, but over time, I'm just like, you know what? I'm just kind of indifferent. I, I, I don't hate them. I don't like them, I, but I, I'm, I, eh, I'm just indifferent. I'll watch. I, you know, I, I mean, I mean, to the point where I will watch and it actually is a perfect opportunity for me to really be as unbiased as I possibly can be to watch football games. Yes. So that's, what, that's what I'll enjoy yeah. for the rest of the playoffs is I can just enjoy the, them for, for what they are. Cause I got yep. no skins in the game. Yep. By the way, if Jackie Harris would have caught the damn ball, we might be talking about a different story. <laughs> <laughs> There's always something. If Neil O'Donnell wouldn't have thrown, uh, wouldn't have thrown the ball Larry Brown to, to Larry, Larry Brown, Brown twice. <laughs> I mean, the Steelers, yeah. dude, all the momentum was going our way. And oh, yeah. Game. We're down 20 to 7. Um, uh, we're down 20 to 7. We're coming back, makes it 20 to 10, 20 to, se- 20 to 17, and we're heading back. And yeah. Daryl Johnson talks about that, um, how, you know, we're, we're rolling over them, we're steamrolling them in the first half. And then all of a sudden the momentum changed. Yeah, and he's didn't. like, we had to that's, find a way. We had to surprise find a surprise on side. It was yep. the surprise on side. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They make, and, they get a field goal to make it 20 to 10. They do the surprise on side. They get it, go down, score a touchdown. All of a sudden it's a three point game. And as a, uh, how old was I? It was January of 96. So I had to have been eight years old. Uh, little, I was 12. Little, yeah, little was eight 12. year old. Me. I was in it's college. Like, Oh my gosh, we're coming back. It's only <laughs> done by three. And then Neil O'Donnell goes and just throws it straight to Larry Brown. And he runs it back to the six yard line. And Emmett <laughs> Smith run, runs in for an easy touchdown. It's like, well, that was fun while it lasted. <laughs> All right, in case everyone forgot, this is the Ranger Report podcast. But Sorry, hey, man, we're no, no, but hey, <laughs> hey, it's NFL playoff. It's no, NFL playoff good. times, and one of the best quarterbacks hey, of all time lockout. is about to retire. It's a lockout. So, you know, what, yeah. what else are we supposed to talk about? You know, I mean, we had it's a musician lockout. on the last show, so you know, hey, Abraham Alexander, dude, I sang a little bit on that one, Chris. All right, I am not singing today. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 no, 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 no. I have, I have uh, my 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 voice is not good today i can already feel it the the, yeah. the crap is still going around and i i'm just glad that i have the the three covers that i'm sitting on right now that i got to release here <laughs> soon but uh um because that buys me some time but uh yeah no but i th- th- i mean thanks for having me on guys this yeah been, this been as great. always chris uh, yeah thank you so much for your uh, time we always appreciate rage. it yeah you're the ranger report bff man thanks for listening to the ranger report podcast find us on twitter Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.